if you don't mind filling out the card in the seat back pocket in front of you and letting us know about your time here today. We'd love to just give you more information about Luke 418 and all the ministries that are going on here. I do have a few announcements for you. Um, Our ladies tea Saturday, May 6th at 2 p.m. in the fellowship hall. Uh, that's coming up. Tickets are $5, maybe purchasing the lobby. Kim Jackson will be speaking, and Heidi Pouncey will be leading in worship. And this is for ages 5 and up. We also have our senior adult luncheon coming up on April 20th. That's this Thursday at Cravers. That's the Cravers on this side of the bay. Don't go across the bay. Um, at 11 a.m. And then also we have Kids Discovery Camp registration that's opening. This is open to the community and it's an outreach opportunity. Flyers are at the kids' desk with information to register online. You can invite friends or those in your neighborhood. It's June 19th through the 23rd and the cost is $25 and it's 9 a.m. to 2.30. So you can be putting that on your calendar. I do want to share two other things with you today. Um, Some of y'all know that uh, there are uh, a few of us, three, four of us that are flying out today to go down to Texas in order to uh, visit a church there that has a community space uh, in a park that is like what we are praying about over here with the property that we are purchasing. Uh, With that being said, we're excited. There, There are architects and different people who have helped uh, put this together. They're, they've given us the whole day tomorrow to spend time with us, to share with us how what works, what doesn't. So be praying for us while we're there. But also, um, the flight leaves at 1220 today. Um, that means that it may be a little quicker message today. Uh, and all God's people said amen, right? Amen. <laughs> I, I heard clapping back here. Um, don't, Randy's still clapping. Um, but don't worry. Uh, if I have to leave, Brother Matthew will just pick up right where I left off in the message and he'll keep going. Um, but I do want you to know that I will be leaving. Brother Matthew will be closing things uh, here at the end because I hear they leave you if you're not there on time. Um, so I just want to share. Y'all be praying um, for, for us as we go down just to see that. We're going to have opportunities for people, for y'all to share ideas and thoughts as we move forward with the land purchase Um, I want you to know, I've still been overwhelmed and amazed at the fact that we had 100% unity in our vote uh, to purchase this land uh, just a couple weeks back. And so with that being said, I want you to know that we all said yes to this land purchase. And now we have the opportunity to put action to that yes. And part of that is by giving generously to the Joshua offering to pay for this land. And so if the Lord is putting on your heart, and as you pray over this, um, you can give towards the land purchase. Just mark in the four area uh, for the Joshua. Everything that goes to the Joshua offering goes to the purchase of the land. And God has been blessing, and I am so excited to watch and see um, how God does all of this in the days to come. I also want to share with you uh, this morning, we have an honor and a privilege. Uh, Wayne Dorsett is here, and he is going to be baptizing his grandson uh, this morning. So let's turn to the baptistry this morning. I'm going to pass it to them. Good morning. As you know, baptism uh, is not 
uh, plays no part in our salvation experience. Baptism is a picture of what God has already done in the heart and life of a believer. As a person enters into the baptistry, it's a picture of entering into that relationship with Christ by faith. Then as they go under the water, it's a picture of uh, the death of Christ and of that believer uh, trusting in the death that Christ died to be all they need for the forgiveness of their sins. Then as they come up out of the water, it's a picture of the resurrection of Christ and that individual placing their faith in that resurrection to give them not only a new life but a new way of living as they follow Christ. And then as they go up out of the baptistry, it's a picture of their life in Christ's beginning, of their following Christ, uh, their walk with Him beginning. And so today, it's my joy to be able to baptize my grandson, Eli Vaughn, as he uh, has begun his journey of following Jesus, and today makes that, uh, that uh, faith in Christ public to you. Eli, do you confess that Jesus is Lord and you have received him by faith as your Savior? Yes. Amen. Just like I told him. (laughs) Eli, do you confess that Christ has given you a brand new way of living and that you have committed yourself to follow him in that way for the rest of your life? Yes. And do you confess today that your hope is not in this world, but your hope is in Christ's promise of eternal life with Him in heaven? Yes. Amen. Well, so upon your confession of faith in Jesus Christ, it's my joy to baptize you this morning, my grandson, but also my brother in Christ. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in the newness of life. All right. Look, here's water. What hinders you from being baptized? If you believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you may. God bless you. Amen, amen. Would you go ahead and show them how, how great or uh, how excited you are for him one more time? It is true, we have a new brother in Christ. And if you look to your left or look to your right, you'll see a brother or a sister in Christ there as well. We're meant to come together as a team and do those good works that God has for us to do. Amen. Why don't you stand? Welcome someone around you to Luke 418 Fellowship, and we will begin in worship today. Brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. Will you pray with all your power while we try to preach the word? Oh, is vain 
godliness, not to make ourselves famous, but to give him the glory that is due his name. Amen. Let's sing together. Down at the cross where my Savior died, down where for cleansing from sin I cried, there to my heart was the blood of life. Glory to his name. from sin Jesus so sweetly abides within there at the cross where he took me in glory to his name sing it today Father, we know that you're holy. There is no one like you. We stand, we lift our hands in praise and in worship to you today. 
as we sing. We stand and lift up our hands For the joy of the Lord is our strength We bow down We bow down and we worship Him now How great, how awesome is He And together we sing We bow down and worship Him now. How great, how awesome is He. Sing it, church. Together we sing. Everyone sing. Holy is the Lord, God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. Bible says and tells us that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we have the privilege of doing that together as the body of Christ. I say this all the time, but uh, I've heard at school uh, and experienced through life that ministry is not a sprint, that it's a marathon. The same can be true of life. 
But God has given us so many people to run alongside to do the will of the Father. When we're weak, somebody else is strong and can pick us up and the Lord will give us the strength that we need. So even in those times where you feel like you're wondering, God is is calling you back. He'll give you grace. He'll forgive you. And in turn, we need to forgive others. We need to give grace and be merciful because we have been, uh, have had mercy given so much to us. That's what this song says. The grace that will not let go. Let's sing together. Sometimes I'm strong. Sometimes I'm weak. Sometimes I fall in my wandering. But through it all, there's just one thing more precious than the air I breathe. Grace, amazing grace, unfailing grace that saves my soul. Grace, unending grace, unrelenting grace that Unfair. 
that saves my soul. Grace, unending grace, unrelenting grace, that won't let go. pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are, for being a faithful and unchanging God that has given us everything we need to know about you, revealed so much to us about you. We thank you for your son. We thank you that we can follow his example, that we can live this life knowing that your Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us and directing us. We pray that today that we would treat others the way we want to be treated, that we would show the love of God in everything we do, that we would be that shining city on a hill, that salt and light for this world that is so dark. We pray today that we would just abide in you, grow together as the body of Christ and be sent out and go in Christ to all the world. We love you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, we are going to get back into our study on the Sermon on the Mount. I've decided that we'll only look at one verse today, verse 12. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, open up to Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to be in verses 12, but we're going to get a jump start going back to verse 7. How many of you as a kid heard this from your parent? Treat others the way you want to be treated. Anybody? Everybody in the room? It's also known as what? The golden rule, right? Did you know that believers speak that? Treat others as you want to be treated? But non-believers also will say that. They'll call it the golden rule. Sometimes they don't realize that they're actually speaking from the Scriptures. But if people truly live that out, can you imagine what the world would look like today? Think about it for a moment. There would be no war. I mean, how many people want somebody to come and attack them? They don't. There would be no war. There would be no crime. Think about that. How many people want somebody to come and and do something against them or take something that was theirs? The world would be this incredible place if only believers and non-believers lived by this. But we're going to see today that it's not so simple. This is one message that everybody knows, but it's so difficult to follow. Because we will see the only way that we can follow is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to pick up in verse 7, but we're going to look mainly at verse 12 today. It says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who has asked, everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Father, we praise your holy name. And we ask this morning that you would illuminate the pages to a passage that we've heard all of our life, but that you would give us this understanding and guidance, and that we would allow the Holy Spirit to give us the strength to obey this passage. Now, Father, we love you, we praise you, and we give you all glory. For it's in your holy name, amen. Now, the first thing we want to look at today is this idea of the golden rule. Treat others the same way that you want to be treated. So I start by asking you, how, how do you want to be treated? How many of you in the room want people to be kind to you? Yeah? Okay. I saw a few hands. Some of y'all just may be a little hesitant this morning. There's still coffee out there you can get. Um, How many of you, when somebody comes to share with you that maybe you're walking down the wrong path, that you want them to be gentle with you? Anybody? Okay, we're getting more hands. How many of you want people to be respectful towards you? Yeah? Oh, even more hands. How many of you want people to be generous when they're dealing with you? Right? Okay. How many of you in this room want people to avoid gossiping about you? Oh man, well now we're really getting some hands. How many of you in the room want people not to hold a grudge towards you? Well, the golden rule is simple. Now just go do what I just shared to others. Go do that towards others. Be generous towards them. Be respectful. Don't gossip. Don't be rude Don't hold grudges. Treat them with kindness and gentleness. Because isn't that how you long to be treated? See, now all we have to do is go do to others that which we want them to do to you. But it's not so simple. Jesus, in some sense, is saying here that you value your own life. And because you value your own life, I'm calling you to value others in the same way. The reason that this is not so simple is for you to do this. For you to think of others the way that you want to be, for you to to deal with others, for you to treat others the way that you want to be treated means that you have to take the focus off of yourself and begin to put the focus on others. Isn't this what Paul says in Philippians 2, 3, and 4 when he's speaking of the have the attitude which is in Christ? And before that, he says this, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Now, we all know, church, that that's difficult. We all know that inside of us, there is this desire to focus in on self. And that desire to focus in on self is the reason that the golden rule is so difficult to follow. Because 
The nature of man is fallen. Man has a sinful nature that is focused on self and get this, hostile to God. We see this in Genesis chapter 3, the nature of man. Man, God creates man, God creates woman, and he has given man this command, you can eat of anything in the garden except from this tree. The woman goes over and is deceived by the serpent. She takes and eats, and then she gives that to Adam. In this moment, sin enters the world. Death comes by sin into the world. Because of their fallen state, God says, he says, hey, listen, they're going to continue to eat of the tree of life. And if they do that, then they'll live forever. And so he comes down, he removes them from the garden after giving them clothing to, to wear from animal skins, the first sacrifice that we see. But then we see the catastrophic effects of sin from that point all the way to today. Just think about in the, the scripture, the nature of man and how fallen it is when we see Noah. And Noah, God calls Noah and says, hey, listen, I've looked around and, and you're the only righteous one. I want you to build an ark because I'm going to destroy all those who are living on this earth. Why? Because of the nature of man, because of the fall that has taken place. This morning, I want to give you three things about the nature of man. One is that it's fallen. Psalm 51 says this, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in my sin my mother conceived me. Romans 5, 12, it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, so death um, spread to all men because all have sinned. The nature of man is fallen. Church, how many of you had to teach your kids to do wrong? You know, I've said this before. Hey, Emmy, I need to teach you how to hit your brother. So you just rear back, you get real frustrated, and then you let your emotions lead the way and you just hit him. We don't have to teach them that, do we? That just comes natural. Why? Because of the nature of man is fallen. Because sin has entered the world. Church, we spend days, hours, months, years of our lives trying to teach our kids how to do what is right. Not doing what is wrong because what's wrong comes natural to them. The world continues to try to teach their kids in some sense how to do what they believe is morally right. Because what, com what, what comes natural to them because of the fall of man is to do that which is wrong. The fall of man, the nature of man is fallen. The nature of man is self-focused. The nature of man is self-focused. Charles Spurgeon said this, As the salt flavors every drop in the Atlantic, so does sin affect every atom of our nature. And it's so sadly that they there, so abundantly there, that if you cannot detect it, you are deceived. If you think that the nature of man is not self-centered, if you think that the nature of man is not fallen, you are sadly deceived. Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21 says this, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality. Is that not self-focused? Impurity. Self-focused. Sensuality. Idolatry. Sorcery. Enmity. Strife. 
jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarned you, just as I have warned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Church, we must recognize that it is in our sinful, fallen state that we are self-centered, self-focused, focused in on me, myself, and I. Isn't it interesting that the company Apple has made billions of dollars and most of their equipment is called the what? The iPad, the iPhone, right? The iPod. They probably don't have those anymore, right? Man, we're gro- it's, it's going quickly, isn't it? But here we see that they have made billions of dollars focusing in on I, 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 me, 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 me. Why? Because the nature of the fallen man is self-centered and self-focused. I passed a church one day driving. I don't remember where I was. I'm glad I don't. But they had a sign, and the name of the church was I Church. And I was like, wow. Like, I think they were trying to play off of Apple, but I was like, do you not realize that basically you are, you're, you're, you're showing the nature of man in your own sign? So the nature of man is self-centered, the nature of man is fallen, but the nature of man in its sinful state hates the things of God. Romans 8, 7 through 8 says, For the mind set on the flesh is death. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh, here it is, is hostile towards God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The, the sinful nature of man, the fallen nature of man, literally is hostile towards the things of God. So the golden rule... Treat others as the way you would like to be treated is from God. Which means this culture may tell people, hey, this is how you need to do this. You need to treat others the way you want to be treated. But in their heart of hearts, they're so focused on themselves that though they say that, they don't mean that because they want what's best for them. Because they're hostile to the things of God. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says this, But a natural man does not accept the things of God the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolish to him and cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. So we see today that the nature of man gets in the way of us obeying God's commands. The nature of man is fallen. We see that the nature of man is self-focused. We see that the, the nature of man is hostile to God. So what is the answer? What's the answer? It's very simple. The answer to the nature of man is to seek God first. Is to seek God first. In this passage, in verse 12, it says this, For this is the law and the prophets. Jesus uses the same language in Matthew 22, verse 36 through 40. In this passage, it says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. And hear this out, church. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Does that not sound familiar? 
You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says, on these two commandments depends the whole law and the prophets. In order for us to be able to love our neighbor as ourselves, in order for us to be able to treat our neighbor the way that we want to be treated, we must first start with God. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. When we start with this idea of, of our love for God, that, that begins with us recognizing first His love for us. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated His love towards us that while we were sinners, while we were in the fallen state, while we had a sinful nature, it says Christ died for us. John 3.16, the most memorized passage in the scripture, for God so loved the world that He gave. He loved. God loved. So He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, for us to truly live out the golden rule, we must first love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and that starts by recognizing God's love for you and God's love for me. And in that love, He sent His Son to die on the cross. And praise God for what we celebrated last week, that He rose again, conquering death, hell, and the grave. And because of that, we can go to 2 Corinthians 5.21 and see this great exchange that takes place. He made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Church, let's just look at this for a minute. The great exchange is what I like to call it. God loved you so much recognized that there's no way you could earn your path back to God. There's no way you could be reconciled to God in your own ability, in your own strength, in your church membership, in your church Sunday school attendance, or in your good works. There was no way. God said, I love you so much that the only way that you can come to the Father is through my Son dying on a cross, and being raised again on the third day, he said, I love you that much, I'm going to send my son. He's going to be born of a virgin. He's going to live a perfect life. He's going to be hated by the Pharisees and Sadducees and so many others. He's going to be beaten. And he's going to be placed on, an, on a cruel, rugged cross. And he's going to die for you. But in that time, I'm going to place your sin nature, what you deserve, I'm going to place that onto my son. And the great exchange is that because he's taking that on the cross for you and for me, for those who believe and submit to the lordship of Christ and trust in his, uh, in his salvation, he places the righteousness of his son upon you. You know, just this past week, I did the funeral for Miss Sandra Rutledge, and actually I was up in Memphis area, uh, Jackson, Tennessee area yesterday doing the graveside. And one of the things that I shared in this passage, and I share it oftentimes in, in a celebration of life, and that is this, 
that those who have gone before us have done something that none of us have done. They have stood before the throne of God. The scripture says that it's appointed for man once to die and then to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And Miss Sandra, who is now in heaven because she has breathed her last last week, last Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, she really understood the resurrection. And I shared that Miss Sandra was only able to stand because the righteousness of Christ had been applied to her life through the salvation that she found in no one else but Jesus Christ. Church, for us to truly love others the way we want to be loved, to treat others the way that we want to treat, be treated, we must first start by recognizing that we have a sinful nature that can only be satisfied only be taken care of through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ upon the cross. And in that moment, the great exchange, my sin for his righteousness. You may say, David, that just doesn't make sense. Yeah, in a human terms, it doesn't. But that's what mercy and grace is all about. God gives us what we don't deserve and doesn't give us that which we deserve. This is that great exchange. But here's what I want you to hear, church, is that at that point of salvation, once you realize God's love for you and you surrender to the lordship of Christ, you submit to his lordship in that moment, you are fully filled with the Holy Spirit of promise. Listen, it's not that you get half of the Spirit until you become a stronger Christian. No, when you come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are filled with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, I will say that you can quench the Spirit in your life. Or as one of my dear brothers says, the Holy Spirit, you have all the Holy Spirit, does the Holy Spirit have all of you? And church, in this moment when we recognize the love of God, we surrender to His holiness, we surrender to the sacrifice of Jesus, we repent of our sins and submit to His Lordship that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit in our life that you can live out. The golden rule. We must, and here's my favorite word already, we must abide. We must dwell in Christ so that the fruit of the Spirit will come forth from our life which allows us to treat others the way that we want to be treated. But can I tell you that a believer that's not abiding, a believer that's not dwelling in God's Word, abiding in the vine, abiding in the Holy Spirit, will find themselves not living out the golden rule. Look at what Paul says in Galatians 5, verse 16 through 18. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Church, we must recognize that as a born-again believer, the only way that we can live out and walk in obedience of God's commands and the golden rule, treat others the way that you want to be treated, is only when you are abiding and dwelling in Christ. For when we are not abiding and dwelling in Christ, our flesh begins to to fight with the Spirit. And we begin to find ourselves walking in sin. 
We begin to find ourselves thinking more about ourselves than others. We begin to, to find ourselves focused on what's best for me. So we must abide. We must dwell. How do we deal with a sinful nature in our life? We love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. We receive the free gift of eternal life. And how do we love others the way we want to be loved? Is by abiding and dwelling in the Holy Spirit. Today we've looked at the golden rule. Today we've looked at the nature of man. But there's a word in this passage that we can't overlook. My favorite, here it is, verse 12. Therefore... Now, whenever we see the word therefore, what do we say, church? What's the therefore, therefore, right? I know, that's, my, uh, that's one of my favorite slogans. What's the therefore, therefore? Well, it's interesting that Jesus says in verse 12, and many of your Bibles will tell you that verse 12 is kind of its own subject to itself, right? If you look in your Bibles, a lot of people's Bibles will have a, a break there. Uh, my number 12 is, is bold because it says that this is a, a break, a, a new thought. But the problem is, is that in this passage, Jesus says in everything, therefore. Well, what's the therefore, therefore? This is interesting. The therefore is speaking about what has just been spoken. You say, David, that doesn't make sense. Well, here's my goal in the last few minutes is to help you understand what the therefore there is there for. In this passage above, Jesus tells us, and we went over this right before Palm Sunday. Jesus tells us to ask, to seek, and to knock. He called us to pray without ceasing, to pray persistently. Y'all remember this? And then he shares with us this parable that if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more will your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Okay, we spoke of this and said that God is infinitely good. Y'all remember that? He's infinitely good. That's who he is. God doesn't simply give us what we want. But he gives us what is good and what is right. And so we talked about this. Sometimes we get something that, that we didn't understand. We'd like, man, that's not what I was praying for. And then later in life, we find out that that was what was good and what was right. I shared with you the story of running for SGA president in college. I shared with you how I lost by seven votes, though I was praying for God to give me victory in that. And then because of that, I went to Canacook. Because of Canacook, I met Leslie. Because of Canacook, I went to K-Life. And from K-Life, I came here to Luke 418. I went to their schooling. It changed my life. Because of seven votes, though, I was praying that I would win the SGA president. We must recognize that God doesn't give us what we want. He gives us what is good and what is right. This is not a name it, claim it gospel. This is trust God and know that he will only give you that which is good and right. In that passage above, we see the compassion of God. Because hear, hear me out, church. God doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us what is good in spite of what we deserve. God doesn't give us what we deserve. Praise God. Because people ask me all the time, how you doing? I'm better than I deserve. You know why? Because I deserve hell. I deserve eternity with hell because I am a sinner. 
But God in his mercy and his grace has given me eternal life in his son Jesus through his death, burial, and resurrection. And so I am better than I deserve. Church, God doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us what is good in spite of what we deserve. So the therefore is saying this. Because our heavenly Father gives what is good and not what we deserve, we are called to reflect His image and character by doing likewise. Treating others the way that you want to be treated even when they don't deserve it. Let me just say it again. The therefore is there to show us That because our heavenly Father gives us what is good and right and not what we deserve, that we are called to reflect His image and character by doing likewise, treating others the way that you want to be treated even when they don't deserve it. Church, living out the golden rule is in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's reflecting our good, good Father. Church, we must think, how do we want to be treated? And then think of others more than ourselves and go out and treat them in that manner by the power of the Holy Spirit because our good, good Father, our Heavenly Father, has given us what we, what is good for us rather than what we deserve. And so therefore, We're called to do the same. In closing, I want to ask you a few questions. Three questions. Number one, do you truly treat others the way that you want to be treated? Think about this for a minute. Do you even think about it? Do you even process that in your mind? Or does your emotions lead the way and you get frustrated and angry? I guarantee you everybody in the room doesn't want people to be angry and frustrated with them. That's not something we're like, oh, I'm going to wake up today. I hope everybody's angry and frustrated with me. Do you truly think through before you speak something that you don't need to speak about somebody else? Is that how I want to be treated? Maybe today God is reminding you of something where you've done something against a brother or sister, that it's not the way that you would want to be treated. And God is telling you that you need to go and seek reconciliation with that brother or sister. I pray today that that if, if that's the answer to the question, that you would seek God today and ask God to give you the strength to go And the gentleness and the love and the compassion to go and speak with your brother or sister to be reconciled to them. Church, I share it all the time, the cross has two beams. Top to bottom, God, Jesus has reconciled us to God. But then, horizontally, he's reconciled us one to another. Do you treat others the way that you want to be treated? Number two, are you abiding in the power of the Holy Spirit? Church, the Lord has given you everything that you need for life and godliness. Given you everything that you need for life and godliness. You may be sitting here today and say, David, I try to live out the golden rule. 
It's tough. I try to live it out, but I keep failing. Well, today you need to stop trying and start abiding. Let me just say that again. Today you need to start, start, stop trying and start abiding and allow Christ to be your strength. The biggest struggle that I had when I went off to college was that I tried in my own power to follow these rules and I kept failing at it. It wasn't until I learned to abide and dwell and let the power of the Holy Spirit do it in and through me. Too often we try to obey God's word in our own power. Church, today, stop trying and start abiding. Maybe this morning you just need to fall on your face and say, God, I'm going to abide in the power of the Holy Spirit today and I'm going to ask that you just wash over me with your word. You say, David, how do you abide? How do you dwell? We've talked about this many times. Psalm 1 is a great place to go where it says that we are called to meditate on, delight ourselves in God's word, be careful to obey it. It also says this in Joshua 1. And what happens in both of these situations, it says that you'll have success. You'll be like a tree firmly planted next to water. You want to see the golden rule played out in your life? Start abiding and dwelling in Christ. And then the third question today is, have you dealt with your sin nature by receiving the free gift of salvation? In Christ Jesus. John 14, 6 tells us, Jesus makes this great I am statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except, except through Jesus. You know, I just shared with you that I just got back from doing a graveside, a funeral this past week of Miss Sandra. And I repeat again to you, Miss Sandra had no ability in her own power or strength to stand before the throne of God. The only way she stood was because of the righteousness of Jesus that was paid for on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All of us are born into sin, and the wages of sin is death. All of us deserve hell. But those who believe and trust in Jesus and repent of their sins receive the righteousness of Christ upon them because of what Jesus did upon the cross. Today, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I pray that you would not leave today without responding to God by the repentance of your sins and submitting to the Lordship of Christ.